This is producer Michael Miracle. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. Be sure to check out our website at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com for all of our past shows and podcasts, plus Jim's blogs, reading recommendations, and tons of great I Work For Him resources. All available at iworkforhim.com. And now, today's broadcast. You have tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning into I Work For Him today. Yes, Martha and I are back in the studio, back in the saddle in Tampa Bay. Oh, you didn't even know we were gone. After the show on Friday, we flew to Minneapolis, spent a whirlwind weekend with family, got to see two of our daughters, got to see our both both of our daughters, got to celebrate a great niece's birthday, got to see my mom and dad, got to get back on an airplane, flew right back down here again. That's right, and, and here we are, back here again. Hey, but late breaking news from the Midwest. On our way down here, Martha, we sat next to Dr. Jeremiah Nemechek, and yes. he told us We did some that thing where you stuff. talk to the person sitting next That's to you. Right, we talked to him, and Dr. Jeremiah Nemechek, he didn't say I had to use his name, doctor, and he actually didn't ask me to say this stuff, but he is a, he's got... He's a professional that deals with swine. He is a swine nutritionist. I think in, he has a lot of n- letters behind his name. He, he actually he just PhD. PhD. That's what just, it says. It's just, like, just PhD. a PhD. Oh, okay. I could have one That's of those all. if I wanted. I'm pretty sure he said anyway, bachelor's. But here's something. what he said okay. so we can get onto the show. Okay. Jeremiah Nemechek said to us, listen, we're working with a lot of vitamins in the pig. And I'm like, wait a minute. You are working on feeding pigs vitamins? Which means because of gravity, those vitamins, when they go into a pig, they naturally go to the pig bellies, the pork bellies, which is where bacon is from. So you're saying bacon is going to be healthy because it's going to have vitamins in it? (laughs) That is fantastic. Dr. Jeremiah Nemechek, he said it here first. He's our new best friend. (laughs) Bacon is healthy because it's got vitamins. And I'm not going to say the company he's with because... That wasn't really it wasn't exactly what he was saying. Their goal in what they do, but, but. that's what I heard. That bacon is now healthy because there's vitamins <laughs> in it. All right, listen. Good news, Martha. For four years now, we've been hearing about the integration of our faith and work right here mm-hmm. on I Work Room. We've been talking about. It. Our, our pastors are working on plugging that into every sermon. Many of our pastors are really working on that within the Made to Flourish movement. But for you and me, and for those of us that are listening, how do we get encouragement on a daily basis as we read our Bibles? You know, how do we learn this on our own outside of what you hear? Of course, right here on I Work For Him on a daily basis. Today, Martha and I are going to introduce you to, to a brand new resource that every one of you listening needs to get immediately. <laughs> it's called the Faith and Work Bible. We have David Kim, who is the general editor of this project. Obviously, he didn't write the Bible. But he was a general editor of this project, as well as he's the executive director for the Center for Faith and Work, connected to Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City, which we have talked with Catherine Leary Alsdorf from there and a couple of other people from there. David Kim, welcome to I Work For Him. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. We're excited to have you here. And I got to tell you, the fact that there is now a faith and work Bible that people can get the resources, what we talk about and I work for him to reinforce their devotional time, it's phenomenal. We're really excited about talking about it with you today. And I don't know if you heard our incredible announcement at the beginning of the show, but bacon is now healthy. Did you hear that part? Because it has vitamins. I did hear that part. That's news to me. No, seriously, I, a doctor guy said it to if, me. If, so, if, so it's got to be pig, true. Pigs are taking vitamins. And this That's is 
all we we heard. And it's not a news channel, so this isn't fake news either. All right, so here's a question for you, David. How did you... Sorry, sometimes I get sidetracked by bacon and Mountain Dew. It's just one of those things. How did you get introduced to the idea, David Kim, that your faith and work should not only be connected, but utterly intertwined in your faith? Well, I, I think the just the frustration of going to church on Sunday and hearing this gospel that seems to be life-changing, and then going back to work on a Monday morning and feel like, you know, you've entered this grind again. And I think for a lot of people, it resonates that their faith is not a really meaningful part of what they experience, you know, Monday through Friday, most of their waking hours. And, you know, when you read through the Scriptures, here's, here's Jesus who claimed that He rose from the dead in history. And if He rose from the dead kind of in history, then He should be the Lord of the world that we live in, not just kind of our private, personal lives. Mm-hmm. And so if, if that's the case, and the Gospel applies as much to my heart and my relationships uh, as to the world around me, then it, it has to begin to impact uh, the way I think about work as well as I, the way I do work. And, and so that was kind of, for me, the realization, why, why don't we see the, the, the power of the gospel enter meaningfully into our day-to-day work? Because I think for so many people, we really need that hope. We need that encouragement. We need that mm-hmm. sense that God is very present and cares about our work as much as He cares about uh, you know, the many other areas of our lives that we typically connect with Him. Well, how did that impact you personally? As Martha and I, we, we've been in this journey now for about 11 years, as we were introduced to it through Oz Hillman's Daily Devotionals, Today Got Us First. After you had that realization that, wow, there's just got to be something more to my faith that, that as I dig into this, it, understand that God really wants all of my life, as it started to impact you, how did it, how, what were some of the things that it really impacted, changed in your life and your relationships? I think it was just the realization that this idea of grace was not just, you know, when I die, I don't go to hell, but that this grace is very present in, you know, day-to-day life, and that this is not something that's made up, but there's a real power that um, that is available to me every minute of my day. And at this time, I was actually going through seminary when I made this kind of realization, and you, think, you would think that this would be something obvious, but at least for me, it was realizing that this is, uh, this is real, this is true, and people have to know about it, that every time someone goes to the workplace, there's such, uh, in the language of Scripture, grace abounds. And for people to know that they have access to that, it really does change the way that you think about work. And for me, um, a lot of the changes were actually a big change from going from my previous work in science and feeling compelled uh, by the gospel, by the grace that is very real, uh, to enter into ministry so that I can share this good news with other people. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When you were in science, weren't you in ministry? <laughs> well, this was now before I entered into the seminary world, I was working in a hospital doing uh, human genetic molecular research. And um, I felt like that might be my calling. But as I began to study scripture, and I actually went to seminary to be able to help out with a, uh, a ministry that I was supporting or helping out at that time, um, began to again realize how the, the grace of God is so real and, and so present mm-hmm. um, that. All of a sudden, it's not like I wanted to go into ministry, uh, but I felt very much compelled that someone, you know, someone needs to be sharing this stuff uh, with people. Well, and, and I agree. I agree with that. Martha's making me sure I don't, I don't insult you by what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that when you were a human molecular biologist, I, I tried to write it down fast enough. Whatever, whatever you said, I don't want to. In what, science. What, what, in science, when you're working in that molecular stuff in science. 
that was ministry, though. I mean, that's our workplace is our mission field. So I just want to make sure people, if there's anybody out there listening that's involved in the sciences, they understand that's ministry, too. I mean, but, it, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I don't think at that point in my life mm-hmm. that I had a very robust conception mm-hmm. of that. And yes. I think for a lot of people, you know, the integration of faith and work really means evangelism and trying to be a good person and being ethical. And I didn't realize in, in, in the nuanced ways that I, I think um, the Lord would take me to, in, you know, in more present times, uh, mm-hmm. that there is so much more in my science than I realized. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I love is the fact that you you felt that urging, that prompting, that there's something more, that you know my work should matter, and integrating my faith, and then going to seminary, and then ultimately what we're going to talk about today, God using you to help so many, hopefully hundreds of thousands of people to make a better understanding between their faith and their work. Absolutely, because I, I, I mean, I don't want people to somehow think and make the mistake that I was making, mm-hmm. that somehow the higher calling is one where you become a pastor or a ministry worker or a missionary, right. uh, and that it begins to really open, you know, the Scriptures open your eyes to see that all work and all callings are sacred to God. And um, and I think that's where a lot of my own journey, I began to correct that vision. Uh, but, you know, implicitly, even though I kind of knew Jesus was the Savior of the world, and he's, he died for, um, you know, not just kind of our sins, but the world in the language of, you know, John 3.16, for his for God so loved the world, uh, but it didn't really connect on the ground to me. And that, that was a journey of taking things that were kind of in my head, but then letting it work out and letting it soak long enough that it began to make a a real practical day-to-day difference in my life. One of the things that, you know, as we've been talking about a little bit of your background and how God made you aware of how our life is to be more intertwined, where did the actual idea for the Faith and Work Bible come from? Uh, it came from a gathering of about a dozen people. We, um, it was initiated by some of the folks at Christianity Today, okay. uh, and Andy Crouch, who wrote a wonderful book, um, uh, Culture Making, and some of the people that were involved in that uh, book, we wanted to gather people together to think about, you know, do we need a faith and work Bible? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the response that Andy saw from his book and people realizing, you know, the power that we have to make culture and to connect it to, you know, this idea that God from the very beginning created human beings to cultivate this world. Uh, out of that, um, the, the publishers, specifically Christianity Today, and uh, were thinking about, you know, could we create a Bible that would help people even further connect uh, the story of Scripture uh, into what they do day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So when you got this idea, this was a monstrous undertaking. When did you guys start this project? Oh, God, probably uh, five years ago. And a lot of uh, the, the difficulty was just uh, the conception of it. How do we, how do we take something as huge as, as work and how do we bridge that to Scripture? And so a lot of it was kind of uh, understanding how to create this into a, uh, a work uh, study Bible format. Um, and make it so that it would have the timelessness of Scripture, but at the same time really connect to people meaningfully on the ground. So when you say you were trying to figure out this idea behind giving somebody a a Bible that would help them connect to this idea behind faith and work, when you, I mean, yes, a monstrous undertaking, 1,500-some pages of the Scriptures, and you're going to try to, you know, put stuff together that, that really makes sense. What what was your overall goal? Like, who was your target audience for this Bible? 
I think our target audience is pretty broad. I mean, all, all, all Christians, basically, who are wrestling with, uh, you know, how does God look at my work, and how does the gospel specifically uh, transform the way that I, I think about work and actually do my work. And, um, and so I think the way that we kind of, you know, we wrapped our heads around this concept through this idea of uh, doctrines and taking historic doctrines that the Church has um, taught on for, you know, millennia and centuries, um, and try to connect these things to uh, what people encounter day in and day out, um, and try to use the language of this, these doctrines kind of impacting our motivations for work, uh, the way we work with the people around us, um, the community at our work, as well as the work itself. And so one of the key frameworks in this Bible is just to expand people's conception that the gospel is at work at each of those three levels of really transforming your motivations for work and transforming the way you interact with your coworkers and the people with whom you work, as well as transforming the work itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are powerful words. When you talk about transforming our motivations, our interactions with people and the work itself, understanding how much God cares about our work. We were having a conversation over the weekend with my with my parents, and I was looking at my mother, and, and my mom has been a theologian for a very, very long time. And I said, you realize that cell phone that you're holding, God planted the material under the ground. 6,000-plus years ago to be harvested and cultivated into an iPhone. She's like, <laughs> nobody ever told me that before. I mean, what, I mean we, don't, we don't think about God's intention. Everything that's above ground today was below the ground at one point in time, mm-hmm. and that God intended us to work and to cultivate it and to grow it and to expand it, and we just flew across the country today, and, and you see the byways and the highways and the houses, and, and it's incredible all that we celebrate every day. Mm-hmm. Martha, you look like you had something. I did not. You I was didn't. point. I don't know why I pointed my okay. pen at you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so, Dr. David Kim today is who we're talking to about the brand mm-hmm. new Faith and Work Bible. It's been out for a few months, and we're going to give away a couple copies of this after the bottom of the half hour. David, when the beginning pages of the Faith and Work Bible, they introduce readers to the whole idea of the Faith and Work movement. Can you summarize some of the key points that you felt necessary to put in there to introduce people to this idea? Yeah, I think we wanted to expand people's categories of faith and work integration. Again, if you talk to a lot of people, and uh, when I travel around the country, one of the key questions I ask is, how do you bring your faith into the workplace? And, you know, consistently, it's, you know, I try to be a good person, (laughs) and I try to share the gospel when it's, uh, you know, appropriate. And those are important and critical ways in which our faith can meaningfully be part of the workplace. But if those are the only opportunities in which we feel like we can bring our faith, I mean, that's a really small percentage of, you know, the 40-plus hours that a lot of people are working. And the, you know, part of the movement we're, I think, trying to create is this uh, expansion of the the meaning and the power of the gospel to impact those three areas that I just uh, talked about, uh, to begin to help people understand, you know, the gospel in many ways it, it examines it. It exposes your motivations for work. And I think for a lot of people, you know, a lot of us, we work in order to find our, our identity. 
instead of understanding, no, our, our, our identity is found uh, being created in God's image. And in the gospel, he's made us uh, new creatures. We are people whose identity are now secured not by what we do, uh, but because of what Christ has done, we have become uh, his children. And uh, But for a lot of people, we still, the, the deeper and hidden motivations for why we work is to make a name for ourselves, is to find a sense of security. So instead of our, our work being the expression of our identity, it becomes the source of it. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, when I read the intro that you wrote at the beginning of this Bible, um, and we're talking about the Faith and Work Bible that is newly released that people can get, and I hope that, unlike I've picked up a lot of Bibles and not read the introductions before. We'll talk about why you've picked up a lot of Bibles. Well, because I was in Christian retail for almost a decade. And so I'm very passionate about getting people the right Bible in their hands that can make a difference um, with their walk, that can help them to lead them where God wants them to go. So as I'm reading the intro, number one, I have never underlined in an intro before to a Bible, but I found myself really trying to grasp how you were dividing it out. And it really made sense because what I understand, and you can um, speak to this, is the fact that that's, that really sets people up to read what you um, you and your team have inserted into this Bible. Um, understanding the concepts, like you said, about whether it's the motivations or the, the people you're working with or the work itself. So um, I was encouraged by that because I'm like, wow, I'm actually underlining things in the intro so that I really understand why I want to read this Bible. And is that what you um, were hoping that it, you're setting the stage as people are reading this on a daily basis or weekly? What do you what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, I'm so thrilled that you read the introduction, because I think it, it is one of those cases. Most people don't read introductions. I don't typically read introductions, too. But I think so much of this Bible, without understanding some of these um, these concepts, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the impact that it can have could be lost, because I think part of the value of putting this content in the, in the container of a Bible uh, is that these are things that have to kind of get soaked into your heart and mind over time. And these aren't just ideas that you kind of, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting idea, and just kind of like tick off in terms of knowing this. It has to be something that begins to, over time, to seep in. And uh, these ideas of the gospel at the motivation, relationship, and world level, and that's a helpful framework, but until it begins to get real, uh, and part of the, I think, um, the realness of the, these doctrines come as you read the stories that are attached to each of the doctrines, as you see it and encounter it throughout the pages of Scripture, as you're reading through the Bible, you come across a new doctrine, and you come across a new way that this doctrine applies at any one of those three, or, and sometimes, you know, all three of those levels. And so we're helping people, trying to get a sense that, you know, the doctrines that are contained in Scripture, they have a real-life impact uh, at any of these three levels, and sometimes at all of those levels. But most of us, when we hear the word doctrines, or we hear, we get, we, all of a sudden we start going, because most of us didn't have the opportunity to go to seminary. Most of us are, you know, most of us have been pew sitters, but that's what I love about what you guys did in here. And we're going we're gonna to dig into one of those doctrines. But, so, so I want to speak to that again, just that our listeners are really encouraged that that is why this Bible is so important to the listeners that are trying so to different. learn, because it is different. And you didn't just do this because we needed another Bible out there, because that is that is not the purpose behind this. It's It's got messages that help us to understand the scriptures that say, 
our work matters. The way God created me to design, the creativity in my head, the thinking that I have, and the way I relate to people, all of that is in Scripture. We've just not read it in that light before. Well, mm-hmm, and David, mm-hmm. David, you chose to do the NIV version. Uh, to, so mm-hmm. you didn't, it's not a new translation, ladies and gentlemen, that are listening to the show today. This is not a new translation. They just took the the NIV translation and built a faith and work Bible around it. What made you choose the NIV translation to partner? It, for me, just had a. Um, this is a Bible I grew up with, and it has a lot of kind of emotional resonance with me. And you know, when they were asking me which which translation do you want to use, I just used the one that I felt like this is uh, all the memory verses in my head are NIV. So I think mostly just because the emotional attachment that I have to the NIV, and I'm hoping that that's the case for a lot of other people. And I find you know it's easy to read, easy to read out loud, and um, yeah. But I think any of the translations out there, I think. Would have been equally good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very important that it's easy to read. Now, it's one of the things that a lot of us grew up. Those of us that are fifty and older grew up trying to read the King James version, and we weren't we weren't raised British, so we didn't know what those words meant, and we and it was <laughs> and we weren't raised British four hundred years ago. So it's like, mm-hmm. what do those words really mean? All right. So at the beginning of every book of the Bible, you've got a kind of a summary and some of the key points. Not everyone has all the details. Every book has got a little bit more detail, but you chose to kind of set the stage at the beginning of every book of the Bible. What's the point behind this setting of the stage? Well, it's to help you understand that every book of the Bible is about work at some level and that we don't just think about certain passages or portions of Scripture really addressing Scripture uh, work, uh, things like the parable of the talent. And these introductions are ways of trying to uh, paint the bigger picture that the whole Bible and all the 66 books that are in it are part of, of a much larger uh, narrative. And that narrative um, is, when we begin to understand that narrative, it really does, the connections to our workplace become a little bit clearer. And so the introductions are trying to uh, bridge that gap a little bit and give you some larger context of where this book fits into that larger narrative, but also how uh, concrete ways that this book can address uh, work kind of workplace issues. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. David Kim, as you guys put together, when I, when I, was, when I was reviewing the Bible and, and going through and look at all the different features that you put in, I didn't read it from cover to cover, your version, yet. You, you put in these doctrine tabs that we kind of hinted at right before the bottom of the half hour. What are the purpose of these doctrine tabs? We've got people coming in that are, that are just getting off work here at 3.30. What, what is the purpose of the doctrine tabs? And I want to talk about a specific one, but first talk about what are the doctrine tabs all about? Yeah, it's trying to connect, um, as, well, recognizing that the world we live in today is, is very it's, you know, historically and culturally so different from uh, the world of the Bible, mm-hmm. and that doctrines are, are uh, and theology in general are um, important tools to kind of bridge that gap. And so doctrines are things that the Church throughout the ages has, uh, they've kind of professed and they've kind of confirmed, they've argued about these things, and, and ultimately they've come down to, uh, you know, standard doctrines or a core group of doctors, I should say, um, that help us understand the full scope of what Scripture is trying to communicate to us. Now, but these aren't man's ideas. The, these aren't man's ideas of doctrine. These are, these are doctrines. These are principles that are handed down to us through the Scriptures that man has just put in. Say, okay, this is a doctrine. We see this consistently portrayed throughout the Scriptures. That's what you mean, right? That's right. But it was human beings that kind of put it together. And in one of the essays at the back, uh, Dr. Richard Mao, um, he talks about, you know, the doctrine of the Trinity, which we now consider part of, you know, our core understanding of the Scripture. But, you know, the Word itself, Trinity, right. does not appear at all. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, these are, in some ways, uh, things that human beings have kind of formulated together. And certainly we wouldn't say that doctrine is on par with Scripture itself, but we would say doctrine at some level uh, gives kind of a particular expression to uh, to Scripture that, so that we can understand it, and it helps us uh, grasp the meaning and perhaps the application of Scripture to our context today. There are some pretty phenomenal doctrines that you guys highlight throughout the Scriptures, but of course I think the one that I want everybody to understand the most, so I'm going to give you a couple minutes to talk about the cultural mandate. Talk about mm-hmm. that doctrine. Yeah, that's that's found way in the beginning in Genesis when God uh, creates Adam and Eve, and he, he calls them to subdue the earth, to, to, multi, uh, to cultivate the world, to multiply. And uh, you know, one particular theologian, uh, named, uh, Al Walters, talks about how the cultural mandate is the ongoing work of creation. And this is kind of a, kind of blows your mind to think, you know, after the God creates the world that we live in, he now passes it, passes it off to humanity, uh, these, these creatures that are given this amazing privilege of being created in his image. Now the Badan is in some ways <laughs> passed over to them, and they're called to cultivate the world and to create things uh, that are a reflection uh, ultimately of God's glory, so that when we create things, whether it's a rake uh, or, to, or when we consider you know, more complicated things like economic structures, all these things are part of God's mandate to human beings to, to cultivate this world, to bring order out of chaos, uh, to bring structure, and out of those structures to create this uh, amazing flourishing uh, that reflects the the immense diversity of God's glory, and we, you know, I joked about it a little bit at the beginning of the uh, of the show. But when you look at our iPhones, I don't, are you an iPhone guy or, or an Android guy? I'm an iPhone. Okay, all right. But our <laughs> yeah. iPhones were all of the pieces were in the dirt, and God gave men the ability to create, as you just said, as part of this cultural mandate, and that mandate then they were able to be creative, and they created the iPhone, which is just incredible. And then when you FaceTime with your grandkids, it's even more incredible when you really see that. You'll have to get some of those grandkids so you can do that. That but, is an awesome thing. But when you really think about it, it's, that's pretty cool. It is. So so that is one of the elements of the Bible, is that you've got these doctrine tabs to help people get a better understanding. And so then there's another feature that you call Deeper in Truth. Tell our listeners about that feature. Yeah, um, so we start off with these broad doctrines, uh, such as the one you just mentioned, cultural mandate, which Mm -hmm. is part of a larger category of the doctrine of humanity. And then we want to help connect um, people to... Resources that help you understand these doctrines, because these doctrines, you know, you know, books and volumes have been written on them, and we want people <laughs> right. to be connected with, um, uh, you know, if people want to explore them deeper. And so mm-hmm. we have uh, the deeper and truth section that will take quotes from entire books and v- series that have really focused on that particular doctrine, because we want people to know that there's a lot of depth out there in the Christian tradition, and we want people to feel uh, well informed. And so that next section, deeper and truth, is really about going deeper in that doctrine, but also pointing people uh, to other resources uh, through these quotes that we have, um, where people can dig deeper and explore further uh, the significance of those doctrines. So do you have a favorite one of those? You know, um, one of the ones that I think that uh, I really enjoyed writing was uh, the, the doctrine of kind of exile. 
Uh, when you think about the, the theology of exile, it's a really prominent one throughout the Scripture, but a lot of times people don't think of exile as a certain kind of theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you think about it from the first example of exile, of uh, Adam and Eve being exiled from the garden uh, to, uh, to Abraham, and uh, you know the calling of Abraham, God calls him to uh, exile himself, to leave his homeland and go to a land that uh, he was chosen him. And ultimately, in the Old Testament, you kind of, as a narrative unfolds, both Judah and Israel are exiled to Assyria and Babylonia. And so there's a really powerful theme of exile that runs throughout the whole of Scripture. And I think that's one of those um, doctrines, for me at least growing up, I didn't really explore. Mm-hmm. And I've really come to appreciate uh, how important that doctrine is, uh, specifically in setting expectations around uh, the workplace. And, you know, as people in the New Testament, you know, the Church were called uh, we are exiles, and First Peter talks about that. And and what does that mean? What are the implications for living exilically, especially when it comes to the expectations we have for our workplaces? So I think that's been one of the key doctrines for me that's really kind of expanded and helped me think through some of the complications of you know finding work that you feel at some level doesn't quite bring out the best of you or doesn't uh, take um, you know use all the gifts that you feel like you have. Mm. So I love it because this is, again, why we're so excited about telling our listeners about this Bible and encouraging them to get a copy for themselves, because things that have been truths right under our eyes that we've read for years, we may have never applied it in the workplace mentality. Mm. And so taking something, God meant it for a purpose. He put everything in the Bible for a purpose and understanding how it all fits together and how we, I mean, I can say myself, I've never studied exiling because, you know, I don't ever want to be exiled. So, you know, it's like I never thought about looking at it as something we can learn from and apply. Mm -hmm. David, have you ever wondered if people would be excited about the Faith and Work Bible? Um, yeah, yeah, I think if you get to a project like this, you, know, you kind of wonder, you know, besides my family, is anyone going to buy a copy? Um, <laughs> okay, well, let, me, uh, let me just tell you, let me just tell you, on a Monday show, we highlight lots of authors. All year long, we authors and ministries and people's testimonies. On a Monday show, we've never had four callers, because people don't call into radio shows that often, but people, somebody actually had to wait in line because the phone lines were busy. We actually had four people call in today. They're so excited about getting their hands on this resource. Mm-hmm. I'd like to thank Rod for calling in from Temple Terrace, Martha from Auburndale, Craig from Clearwater, and Mary from Holiday. Thank you guys for listening to our work for him. Mm-hmm, most definitely. We, I'm, I've got two copies to give away, and I'm going to beg for two more so we can get these <laughs> out to you guys. What a phenomenal... That is, that is just so you know, this resonates with people. You should be very, very encouraged because they say that for every one person that calls in, there's another thousand that were thinking about it. That's just what radio Who people knows? say. I have no idea. That could be Who fake knows? news too. I don't have any idea. <laughs> but it's not on Facebook. But so it's we on Facebook so it's, and it's not on the internet. So let me speak to that because I also told Jim, I really want to encourage people we know that Christian retail is suffering, that we are have lost a big player in that industry recently, or in, they're almost out. And I just really want to encourage mm. people, go to your local Christian retailer, if at all possible, to get your copy. Anybody who has um, Bibles on their shelves, I have to believe they have this Bible right now. Or because, they can get it. Well, I know they can get it, but um, having been in that world, this would be something I would be excited to be telling my customers about. So I just really want to 
encourage with that and go there because the big boxes they they'll sell they'll they'll have them on their shelves and they'll do just fine whether you get them there or not but your local christian retailers who are really making a difference that's who we need to support right now and really encourage so whether it's in a church or in a strip mall somewhere go there all right, David, I'm going to move on really quickly because the show's going away too it fast. It is too fast. You've got segments in the in this Faith and Work Bible called Deeper at Work segments. I love these. These are people's testimonies of uh-huh. sharing how their faith has impacted their work. Where did you get all these people? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was quite a project. Um, so a lot of the folks are, are some of the locals here in New York, the people that we've worked with and uh, here at the Center for Faith and Work, people uh, whose kind of lives have been impacted by the various doctrines um, that we've talked about. Uh, but it, but we were also, uh, and this is the work of uh, Bethany Jenkins, who I have to give a shout-out to. Uh, she did uh, some phenomenal work uh, getting the word out there, uh, Christianity Today publicized that we were doing this, mm-hmm. and she was able to get um, stories from all over the country. And so we wanted this Bible to represent a lot of different kinds of occupation and not just jobs in a particular area of the country. And she was able to call through all these different uh, testimonies, and she edited edited them down. And these are all real stories. We have not made up any of these stories. And that's, I think, my favorite part of the Bible, which is the one part I didn't write, uh, is just reading how these doctrines have played out in the lives of people. And and it's not a stock formula. It's not like there's a happy ending at the at the end of each of these stories, uh, but that these are people who are genuinely wrestling because they believe Scripture is relevant to their work. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, nobody's ever produced a Bible, nobody's ever published a Bible with a testimony from a stand-up comedian. Because <laughs> on, page, on page 1532 in the brand new Faith and Work Bible, which you can get, like Martha said, at your local Christian retailer, that's a great place to look for it, the Faith and Work Bible. Tell me about the stand-up comedian testimony on page 1532. Yeah, he, he's talking about, I mean, one, I love the fact that we have uh, a stand-up comic there, because, again, you know, when a lot of Christians are thinking about what mean, what work will God be happy with, you know, you don't necessarily come up with the stand-up uh, comedian. And I, I love that he uh, put himself out there and said, you know, the work that I do, I do for God. And there's something about humor. And there's a there's a certain power of a comedian being able to enter places, uh, places like he, he talks about in his um, testimony of uh, performing in prisons. And his opportunity to have this audience with people uh, in prison and understanding as well that you know there are audiences that he goes to that won't appreciate his work and his humor, uh, but to also know that he's been called with this particular gift to go out there uh, to bring this sense of joy and humor into the lives of people that, in, in many respects, really need it. Uh, and it was just encouraging because I, I looked at the different uh, deeper at work segments that you guys had in there and you had a wide, wide, wide variety of people because people are like, well, is this just a business Bible? No, no, this is for anybody who's got a workplace and wants to understand how their faith is supposed to connect to their work. And when you grab some just pretty random categories of people, I loved that. It was so encouraging. I mean, nice job. Way to go, Bethany. Uh, that's like five <laughs> stars in my book right there. That, that is really a that's a five-star feature of this whole thing. Dr. David Kim, before we get back to finishing up our conversation on the Faith and Work Study Bible, just a little plug for Center for Faith and Work. People need to know what that's all about, because you guys started a revolution in New York City that is spreading across the country. Yeah, I think um, we are uh, a church really wrestling with uh, how does the, your, uh, the gospel meaningfully 
impact the things that people are spending, at least in New York, you know, 50 to 60 to 80 hours a week doing. Um, and a lot of what we do, we kind of see ourselves as a research and development lab where, um, you know, we've known about this whole idea of the priesthood of all believers, but in many respects, uh, churches uh, have not always been good about um, helping people, uh, preparing people for life outside the church. And so what we're about at the Center for Faith and Work is to try to come up with programming that helps people um, see what it means to be a priest out in their respective worlds and to know that they uh, represent, in, in many respects, God to their coworkers. And how is it that through their work they can really bring glory to God and, and how when people recognize that glory, it, it gives them a platform or credibility to be able to share their faith and share um, the witness of uh, the reality of the grace of God. I love that. And and so if people want to find out more about the Center for Faith and Work, faithandwork.com, faithandwork.com. Going back to the Faith and Work Bible, what I love about it is, is, Dr. David Kim, it is impossible for somebody to read every page of the brand new Faith and Work Bible from cover to cover and not walk away with a clear understanding of what is this all about. But just in case, right at the end, you've got three, right in the indexes where you got indexes and you got some appendixes and other things, you've got three articles at the end called The Gospel and Work, Our Need for Theology, and Finding Our Story in God's Story. Those are three powerful powerful articles. I'm having a hard time getting it out. The Gospel and Work. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? What, what is, just summarize that in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, no big Donald deal. Tyson wrote a, a wonderful essay. Uh, that basically, our, the gospel has as much to do with our work than uh, our kind of eternal salvation, and mm. that there is, um, through our work, a very tangible expression of God's glory. And that when we think about the work of the gospel, uh, we should immediately and very quickly uh, bring that to what we do day in and day out, because a lot of times that's where we see a lot of our growth as, as Christians. That's where we see a lot of the power of, of the gospel uh, in, in our workplace. What about the article about our need for theology? That kind of freaked me out when I read that, but really quickly, why do you think we need theology? <laughs> Well, it's to take these kind of very broad concepts, things like, you know, we're called to glorify God, but what, what does that mean? And theology helps us unpack that glory is something that is tangible. It's not something that is meant to be ethereal or intangible. And when we understand things like that, all of a sudden, work becomes a very visible expression of God's glory. Uh, and when Paul says, you know, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God, he makes very clear that the very mundane things that we do day in and day out are the things that bring God glory. And, you know, you need theology to make that connection because, you you know, you hear the word glory so much in Scripture, but what does that mean? And if you have the wrong conception of it or the wrong theology or a misguided theology, you can really be missing out on all of the opportunities that we have day in and day out to, to witness and, and testify to the glory of God. You know, Jim, I think that's one of the reasons I, I still, again, love this Bible is the fact that it's helping us to apply it, make it real, make us to understand it is more than just an ethereal thing, that it really applies to our life, and that's why God gave it to us as such a wonderful mm-hmm. gift. And just as the yeah. NIV was written for an eighth grade reading level, the rest of everything surrounding everything in the Faith and Work study, or Faith and Work Bible, it is also written at a level everybody can understand. Your last article in there, Dr. David Kim, is... Finding our story in God's story. What, what's that? Just in 15 seconds. Tell us what that's about. 
Sure. That, that a lot of people don't know that you know, the Bible is actually a large story, and they think it's like a collection of, of uh, morals, you know, teachings that God gives us so that we could be a good person. Uh, but really, it's about what God has done, and that's why the story element is so important, because the Scriptures are not so much about what we need to do to be right with God as much as what has He done so that we can become right with Him. Mm. Um, and, and, and seeing God's story allows us to see that we are part of that story. And so our calling is kind of uh, part of God's larger narrative that He's invited us to. And so it's the more a, you understand that story, the more meaning enters into the, the day-to-day stuff that we encounter day in and day out. Dr. David Kim, thanks so much for being an iWork for him today and introducing to our audience the Faith and Work Bible. Thank you, Dr. Kim. Thank you. It's been a privilege to be with you guys. All right, as, we, for- as we come to the end of another I Work for him, Joe Martha, that was fast, wasn't it? It was. It was, was awesome. So though. much great stuff. Thanks for all the callers. Thanks for all the listeners. It was really a great show. Get a copy of the Faith and Work Bible. You've been listening to I Work for him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace is our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.